Hello and a very happy International Podcast Day, one and all. My name is Alex Bullimore and I am joined once more by the ever-reliable pairing of Dan Lambert and Micah Chudley. Welcome, guys. Hello. Good afternoon. All right, so uh, we have two games to review today and just the one to preview. Uh, so that is the last game before the international break for QPR, which is a home match um, on Saturday against Preston. So let's cast our minds back firstly to Friday evening last week. QPR made the trip up to the West Midlands for what was meant to be one of the most challenging fixtures so far this season on paper. And it did pan out that way in the last 15 minutes or so. What was... It was a frustrating game to watch what was your guys thoughts on it um it's pretty painful in the manner of manner of defeat more than anything um i mean we started so well in 30 seconds i think it was um gray with a nice composed finish um with behind a uh, high west Brom line but um yeah it was just frustrating more than anything because those sort of performances would get you a uh, get you the three the, the three points at most places you go. Yeah. Micah, am I right in saying that you, you went to the game? I was at the game, yep. Is that is that your first of the season? That is the first game I've been able to go to this season, yeah. Oh, so how was it from the stands uh, then? Um, I've got to be honest, it's a weird one. Um, it's a weird one because I feel like we never really quite got going even though we scored early. And I feel like that sentiment was kind of shared by everyone in the crowd. But there was also there was also kind of that feeling like West Brom aren't actually really offering anything, you know, that we can't handle. So it was kind of like we're not playing well, but you know, we'll probably we'll probably be able to hang on. Um I didn't see the DN mistake actually quite embarrassing I'll admit on the podcast I was looking at my phone when it happened so I didn't actually see it I just heard a massive like I had a massive groan I was like what's happened and then suddenly the West Brom fans were cheering um but yeah it was just it was just one of them days just one of them days man where it's like we didn't get going and we just yeah it was cost us at the end of it so yeah uh, a really sort of gutting end into the game um so let's you know look at it from a tactical point of view you know in comparison with Everton we played a Premier League side in the cup just days before we were play obviously playing at home maybe that's a difference but we went at them played our usual game was competitive for the full 90 minutes and you know if someone deserved to win the game against Everton it probably was us so were the tactics wrong against West Brom did was it? I don't know. Was it a brave decision from Warburton, or did he just get it wrong? Um, it's, I thought he got some aspects right. I thought I was a bit skeptical about maybe both Chair and Willock against like a high press side. Um, but I thought we kind of got in between the lines um, of West Brom quite well, and especially in the first half. I did have doubts about um, Barbe. Um, I think I said on the podcast last week. Um, and that was athleticism because West Brom's a slightly different task to Barnsley in terms of the prolonged press. But um, and he he struggled a little bit, especially with um Phillips and Dean Garner and then um spaces between Device and Barbe. 
Um, but no, I thought most of it we got tactically quite spot on. It's just one of those think uh, sides that we we seem to be cursed against all these pressing pressing teams. Okay, so um, actually, mo- moving on from that, Dan, do you think scoring so soon after kickoff was that possibly with the way that we were aiming to play? Was that one of the worst things that could have happened? Um, pro- probably. Yes, because we kind of felt um, felt we were quite we were sitting back some of the time, especially in the um, second half and inviting a lot of the pressure. So maybe maybe it was, but I think, like Micah said earlier, we probably didn't fully get going a lot of the lot of the game. So I yeah, I, it, it really depends. Um, but no, I think I don't know, I don't know if you can score too early, really. But in in our case, at the end, we did. I mean, I certainly thought that, you know, once we had gone, you know, we'd gone one up so quickly and then it was very obvious what we were trying to do. When you do eventually concede and you need to change gear, it's very hard to get out of that mindset of, you know, just trying to defend, clearing the ball all the time. Because whilst West Brom weren't playing, I think, especially in the first half, they weren't playing that well they were still putting us under a lot of pressure and we were dealing with that pressure pretty well and the defending was still, you know, relatively spot on. Um, so from my my point of view, that's why it was so disappointing because for majority of the game, what we were doing was working. Whether it was boring or not, we had the top team in the league potentially really bamboozled. They didn't really know what was going on and they had to make, they had to go into their, uh, their bench and Hugo did make a, a big difference and just sort of being a bit more direct with his runs because Dean Garner and who else came off? Was it, it wasn't uh, was it Philip? I think Phillips came Phillips. off. Phillips was non-existent in yeah. that game. Dean Garner was probably brighter of the two, but still wasn't great. So that's what was really annoying for me. We were doing well enough to win the game, get three points, and then we mess it up. Um, Micah, what were you thinking about tactics? Did, were you ha- not happy, but did you think that he got it right? Um, it's a weird one. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, my comments on this. But as Dan said, the gag and press has been killing us now for like the best part of two seasons. Um, we can't seem to... We just can't really seem to get the better of it. I mean, against Bournemouth, we looked all right for a period, but there was that period where we struggled. And West Brom, we just... We're really struggling and that wasn't them at their best. What I will give Warburton credit for is um, the thing that Rangers and Forest fans were kind of killing him for was the uh, the whole the no plan B thing. But I think you have to give him his credit there. We were very direct against West Brom at times. At, at times, it didn't even look like a Warburton team, to be honest with you. So you, you have to give him his credit in that he's, he's tried to do something different, but we're just not, we're just, for whatever reason, we just can't get it right against these teams that press us really high and I'm not really sure what the solution is. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I took away from the game is that I felt really sorry for Andre Gray. I mean, that poor guy just had to chase balls all day long. Most of them were just aimless. And, you know, that's no... I I didn't think that Ball and Johansson didn't have their greatest game, possibly because Johansson was carrying an injury anyway. And obviously he's pulled up with... With a ha- look like a hamstring injury or something like that, I think, off the top of my head. But you know, the amount of times that 
when you you want your quality player just to put a ball over the top for Gray to chase because he had the beating of those centre backs all day long, didn't he? But it was just aimless stuff, and he could never actually get onto it. And then by the end, by the time he got subbed off, he was ineffective because or less effective because of he was you know tired from having to chase endlessly eight and loads of lost causes. Um, there was a few yeah. times when Gray got through when it was 1-0 and he thought it was one time in particular if he just managed to get a touch on it and take it round Johnson that was 2-0 for sure and no way were West Brom coming back from 2-0 down they would have you know that would have been so demoralising for them um, I actually thought as soon as Gray scored he kind of had his job done and I would have brought on Dykes at half time would you guys have Changed it a little bit earlier than Warburton did. Uh, potentially, I mean the the whole the whole direct thing. I don't think suited Gray generally. Anyway, he's not he's not someone that's going to hold up the ball and link up link up play. And like you said, if we got the balls over the top. It'd have been more effective. Um, we could have we could have done with Dykes potentially earlier, but I don't think he he had huge effect when he came on. Um, anyway, I think we were so deep anyway like if you were going to bring on Dykes you probably like maybe bringing off Gray would have been the wrong decision maybe taking off one of Chera Willock and having or playing 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 Gray alongside Dykes someone like yeah. that off, off yeah the, having two yeah. strikers basically so that you had an option to hold it up with a presence at the other end of the field because you lump the ball up to Gray for him to win an aerial duel with Bartley or Sammy Agiai, then he's not going to do it, unfortunately, because they've got such a height advantage on him. Um, I think we said in the previous podcast that there could be, believe it or not, an overreaction on Twitter from QPR fans if we were to lose this game. Um, is that exactly what we saw? It is exactly what we saw to a T. Um, yeah, not to jump, jump the gun again, but I think once again, a few people were made to look a little bit foolish with um, a couple of the performances on Tuesday night. We'll save but, that for I later, mean, Micah. Save that we'll, for later. We will, we will save that for later. I've definitely got a little um, a little thing prepared for all those QPR fans that love an overreaction. Um, but yes, that is exactly what happened. Um, some of it was fair, though. Some of it was fair. I understand that at Whatever level you're at, whether you're going for promotion or battling relegation, if you've gone four without a win, yes, it's very concerning. But I think it's always important to look at the context. We probably deserved a point against Bournemouth. Bristol City is just one of those freak results you get in the championship two or three times a season. And West Brom, really and truly, we as much as you know, West Brom weren't up to much, we didn't really show up. So when you look at the context of it all. I don't. I never really thought there was too too much for us to be worried about. Yeah. So actually, one of the few things I did see on Twitter that was slightly positive came um, from someone called John Burke. He said, "If we beat Bristol City, which would have happened nine times out of ten, we would be sitting fourth, with without only losses coming away to first and second in the league." The overreaction on here means Twitter in the past few weeks have been mental. I think that was written before Birmingham, perhaps, or maybe after. I'm not quite sure. But, Dan, 
is this exactly he's spot on there, surely? Yeah, yeah, he he is spot on. But also I think I think right now it's 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 early days for the in terms of the uh table anyways. But I do I do get what you're saying. It's just we, I mean, one, one game we could beat uh, West Brom and we could lose to to Birmingham on another day. So just yeah, it's it's too early early on. But yeah, I get him, I get his point. And uh, just another thing from Twitter was uh, from West London sport journalist Ian McCullough. Um, he called West Brom the worst team Rangers have played all season. And then also went on to say that it was the worst that Rangers have played all season. Would you agree with that? Probably the worst we've um, played. Probably the worst we've played? played, yeah. I'd probably stop I probably should stop saying were... that. I don't know who else would have been worse, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe by expectation, like they would have been, you would expect them to be better. I don't know. What, what, what I don't we know, say, maybe... I don't know. I can't think of. It's not that we were awful, but it's just like it's the worst we played comparatively to how we played this season. I can't think of a performance worse. I wouldn't say West Brom are the worst team we played. I think mm. that is a, a classic overreaction. Um, he, he's got a um, he's got a bit of history for overreacting, does um, Mister McCullough. But um, I mean, Hull Hull weren't up to much. I didn't think. I didn't think Hull were very good. Um, yeah. I think we let Reading in really and truly. We smash Reading, should be smashing Reading. We let Reading in easily. I wouldn't say West Brom, <laughs> I wouldn't say West Brom are the worst team we played. Bristol City were worse than them for sure, as well. I think that's just overreaction, but you know, that seems to be his thing, to be honest. I think, I think, if, I think also, sorry. oh, sorry, um, I think also, can you really compare game by game? Because in the championship, you come up against a high pressing side you play against a low block you can play against yeah all yeah. sorts you can't you can't compare it like a sole game in isolation if that makes sense it just, they're, just they're, they're completely different different tasks and we just haven't adapted to a specific game plan against pressing sides yeah that's, that's a really great point i think yeah. at the end of the season at the end of the season when you look when you play teams home and away then you can look at it and be like oh okay this is the worst team we played do you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. I think, like, with before the game, we probably thought West Brom were going to be a very, you know, they were going to be all over us. And it would be a bit more, I don't know, maybe the pessimists amongst us, maybe they thought it would have been a bit more one-sided. I thought we would have drawn, I think I said we would drew, drew the game, draw the game, sorry. I think Dan also said that as well. Um, you know, maybe, like, you, we imagine West Brom being such a fantastic side in the championship that, maybe they were just below their expectations and because of that, because they have such lofty expectations from everyone, they seemed a lot worse than they actually were. I mean, I didn't think last time that they went up that they were the best team going. Uh, you know, I know, I think it. a lot of fans will be in denial about this for QPR, but I think Brentford were a better side than West Brom when West Brom went up last time and Brentford last season were a better side than the two teams that went up above them, really. Yeah. Um, yet, and that, that's showing now in the Premier League because Brentford are competitive and West Brom, who have finished top and who have won, you know, have gone automatic promotion recently, are straight back down in the championship because of various off the field matters as well. But they're just, they don't actually strike me as a really, really good side. They have a lot of very middling 
players, I would say, that just sort of come together to do a good job. Um, moving on from Twitter comments and everything, um, there was a lot of... There was personal mistakes that cost us the game. I don't think that can be denied. The Senny mistake was already been mentioned by Micah, who, and I'm not going to go back to him to ask him what he thought of it. Because <laughs> he didn't see it. But Dan, it was just so gutting, wasn't it? Like, you know, he's been so good for us. And I don't think he's been as good as he was last year, this year. But still, it's so gutting that he made that mistake. It is, but also a lot of people forgot that he made the save when we one nil up when he threw himself at the uh, at the shot. I mean, look, keepers make mistakes. You keepers on average make I don't know three three to four mistakes in a in a season, probably uh, even the top ones. But we're some of us are forgetting that um, the first half of games where we started really poorly. He's he's managed to keep the scoreline at. Uh, what a level that we can we can fight back and come back to. So mm. I wouldn't I, I don't I don't um hold anything against him. It's just one of those you can't he he didn't he didn't mean to do it. Look you can tell by the spirit of the team that they don't they, they want to play for the play for the badge. So I'm not I'm not worried by it at all. Yeah. The silly thing about it is that as, as much as it was disappointing, I felt that there were a few people on that, you know, I mean Twitter has got a lot to answer for because it's made everyone think that their opinions are actually valid for a start. Um, but, you know, people I felt were about five seconds away from saying we need a new goalkeeper, like, which is just ridiculous. I mean, who else are you going to call into the spot now? Joe Walsh and you're going to ruin him as well. Archer, who apparently is a rubbish goalkeeper, according to most of our fans. And, you know, I just think he's a standard, you know, he's not amazing, but he's just a pretty, you know, middle of the road goalkeeper. It's sort of the, the goalkeeping position at QPR is a real sort of poison chalice, chalice. And it's sort of like you could almost like you're getting drafted into it against your will. I don't wouldn't want to be a goalkeeper playing for QPR because you get absolutely torn to shreds for making the slightest mistake. Well, no, not even not even that. It's the um, well, last season particularly, we were defensively anyway. We were a bit we were a bit woeful, especially in the first half of the season. But I think at the end of the season, we conceded the fourth most shots in the league, and it's the same still now. So, as much as we're you know a bit more defensively solid, getting some clean sheets and stuff, we're still we're still conceding a hell of a lot of shots for for Dieng to have to make. So I think that's that's also the case as well. Yeah, and ultimately, one of them is just going to go in, isn't it? Like. He's not going to be able to save every single one. Um, and you know, actually having fans back in the stadium is such a big effect on players, both good and bad. You know, he's going to have for 45 minutes, possibly, definitely at home, he's going to have away fans behind him trying to put him off the whole time. Um, so moving from that goal to the final blow, which was the second Carlin Grant goal, which is, again... Uh, the fact that he scored like, is such an average player who I don't think he'd scored many goals before before Friday night. But Dan, you did a short bit of analysis on Twitter talking through the press against Chair. Do you want to just talk us through it now? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a lot of criticism for him alone. For he, oh, he's an he's an easy scapegoat. I seem to find. 
Um, either they say that he he keeps control of the ball too long or his decision making is poor, which I think both of them, well, he, he proved as we'll come on to it, that, that that's a load of uh, rubbish really. But um, yeah, so it, it started with Dunn who was overlapping on the left-hand side and he kind of played a, I'd say a risky pass into chair because at that point he'd already had, um, he was kind of within close proximity of about four West Brom players at that point. Um, and his back was to goal. Um, I saw a lot of people say that he could have turned in a split second and square, uh, passed it to ball. And at that point, when you're getting pressed by several West Brom players, it's 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 near impossible. I, I don't think you'd, anyone would want to try that. Um, but yeah, no, he... Um, it was just it's it's a natural West Brom goal for me. I don't see any fault from from Chair at all. He he tried to he he went for the space that was free. He tried to drive into it. Um, there wasn't any passing options available to him, and um, he got he got pressed from both sides. So I don't really I don't really see where the criticism for that is. I mean, I suppose you could you could have a slight dig at Odebajer or Kaká. I I don't think you should, but there was I think. Grant managed to peel off Kakai and then Odebajo didn't cover his space. But I think that that's something that we don't do. We don't defend man to man and we do leave a lot of space in the wide areas. But I thought it was just a, a natural well worked West Brom goal for me. Yeah. I mean, it was coming at a time when we were trying our best to get something going and be a bit more attacking. And like you said, like Dunn was sort of charging forward and maybe just sort of losing our heads at that point. Chair also took a fair bit of criticism for a chance at the other end. He went on a beautiful little run and then was meant to square it, apparently, to pass three massive West Brom defenders. Micah, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm a bit guilty of this because in the stadium at the time, I was screaming at him to square it. Did you um, see it, Micah? Was, did you see this I one? did see this one, yeah. <laughs> this one, my phone was in my pocket for, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but now, at the time, I was screaming at him to square it. And I remember thinking, oh, do you know what I mean? Because I was saying to my dad, Chair has these moments where either he's not selfish enough or he's too selfish. So I was reiterating that point. But um, having watched it back, I'm, I watched it back and I was like, actually, to be honest, there wasn't really much he could have actually done with that really because the thing is if he squares it and it gets blocked by one of the three people that were in front of Dykes then everyone's going to be like well why didn't he shoot mm. so I, f- I feel like I feel like at this point we're kind of splitting hairs really I feel like sometimes like Dan said Chair's a bit of an easy target because obviously he's got that 10 shirt and he is quote unquote the next one up after Eze and to add on top of that, he's a Moroccan number 10 playing for QPR. And obviously you've got the shadow of Adel Tarap tagging over you. So I think sometimes he comes in for a bit of easy criticism. And I think for that moment, and like Dan said with a goal, I think people were just being a bit too harsh on him, to be honest. Yeah, I think in the moment, the Sky commentators also suggested that he should square it. But I don't, un- I just don't understand how, how he's meant to get it past all three of the defenders. He was, I mean, could the shot be better? On the streaker side as well. Yeah, like he done, it was a really good move from him and that was, he showed a little bit of what he was good at. But Dykes is all the way at the back post. If he gets it to Dykes, it's an absolute miracle goal. I did feel like it was, people were sort of like very close to, I was, I felt like we were very close to seeing 
screenshots from that score hero game and people just saying our chair should have done this and like a line drawn halfway across the pitch because that's what it felt like like he's just I know we think we like to say our players are amazing but he is still you know he's a championship player at the moment if he makes that ball then blimey you're going to be seeing that for a long time Um, I think um, sorry Alex I was um he said he had an interview with the QPR pod the other week and they asked him about the Barnsley goal. Um, now, I think at that point, Austin had pulled off the uh, front post and does his little movement where he, he wants the back pass. And he said that he was never looking for the pass. And he, so I think that kind of shows to me that he's kind of not 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 selfish in a bad way, but he's a, he's a, he's a 10 that we already know he likes to take shots outside the box and he wants to score goals. So I think people have got to understand that's part of his game, natural game anyway. And there was there was a load of space in front of him, so I don't think he was ever ever looking up, um, looking at the pass. Um, but yeah, that we just got to take that into consideration. Not not everyone's gonna, not everyone want um, is going to be selfless all the time. So yeah, that's that's what I'd say. Right. Yeah. Fan- spot on. So moving on from a disappointing game against West Brom to a much more entertaining game against Birmingham. Micah, you've already explained already, and I think it's clear you have quite a bit of love and time for Elias Chair, as do quite a lot of fans. But just to explain like how our you know he how good he actually is and how he you know showed it against Birmingham. It was one of them it was one of them games which is like you, you, I don't know if any of you guys have seen The Last Dance, the um, Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary, but Michael Jordan is just renowned, obviously, for a, a unparalleled elite mentality. And you've probably seen the meme where he says, um, I took that personally. You might have seen that around. But that, that's to do with the fact that, you know, if someone criticised him or if someone slighted him in a game, he would take it personally and he'd go into the next game and 30-point, 40-point performance. Um, honestly, it felt like Ilias Chair seen everything that was said on Twitter, took it personally and said, right, I'm going to show you just how good I actually am. And he just gave us a bit of everything, creativity, passing, dribbling, two really well-taken goals. Probably could have had a third at the end as well. Very close at the end, just a little bit unlucky. I just think people... I think people are forgetting like some of the absolute dross that we've sat through prior to some of these young guys that are coming to the team. Like watching some of the players that have played as a number 10 for us or as a creative midfielder for us. And then obviously we were blessed with Eze, who's going to go on to be one of the best players in this country, probably play for England once he gets fit. And it's it's like... You know, just just because you're not a Biraeze, just because you're not a Delta Rat, doesn't mean you're not good. I mean, this guy is comfortably one of the best players in his position in the championship. Comfortably one of our best players. Million percent. The guy is just brilliant. And yeah, you know, there's your criticism. Like I said, sometimes he holds on to the ball too long. Sometimes his decision making is a little bit off. He's 23 years old. Do you know what I mean? 23 years of age, as much as he's been playing for us for the best part of three seasons now, 23 is young in football. Like, 23 is very young in football still. 
And for him to sort of give us that level of performance when, and to be honest, when I was looking at it, the crowd did seem a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious. Um, for him to step up and kind of be like, right, I'm going to win us this game today. He's it's, it's a really good player, man. He's a really, really good player. It does frustrate. It really does frustrate me. You can probably hear it in my voice. Um, it really does frustrate me. Some of the criticism he comes in for. Yeah, because if it's just because if it's justified, yeah, all right, fair enough. His decision making can be bad. He does hold on to the ball sometimes, and you want him to pass it. But with with the same stick that you beat him with, you have to be like, wow, excellent player, one of our best players, definitely one of the best individual performances we've seen this season it was the other night against Birmingham. So that's the end of my run. Um, <laughs> Sure, I'll be ranting again in three weeks' time when he hasn't passed the ball to Dyke sometime or something ridiculous. So, no, you're, you're absolutely spot on because I, I made it to the uh, waterlogged underwater game that was Birmingham on Tuesday. I'd been out all day. I was really tired. I didn't. I had a headache, but that performance from Chair cheered me up so much. He was so good. The rest of the team still kind of looked a little bit not shaky but they weren't really hitting their top form and chair like you said he took whatever was said personally he picked us up and he drove us towards that victory because Birmingham weren't really up so much but they were still in the early exchanges probably the better team if you looked at it and he there was something clicked with chair in that game and he was absolutely fantastic I mean you know as he says, it was strictly business. Like he was perfect. <laughs> um, Dan, you've mentioned a player from Birmingham quite a bit. You quite like him, uh, Chong. He was actually Chong, yeah. quite impressive um, in the first half, but kind of faded away. I completely see what you're talking about with him now. Unfortunately, yeah. no. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. No, I was, I was agreeing with you. Go. Unfortunately. He just isn't playing in a like really, really good team. Obviously, there's a good few good players there. But early on, I thought when he he put a pressure on ball a few times and it was, you know, I, I got quite nervous because he, like you said, I think you said before, he's like a manager's dream. He was just chasing everything. And unfortunately for him, by the end, like Birmingham just weren't quite in it. But he was and looks to be, a fantastic talent and you're absolutely spot on with him. Um what what did we think about Lyndon Dykes, specifically his assist for the second goal? It was it was a good assist to be fair. I mean it was a was it a ground was it a ground pass along the through yeah. through on goal? Yeah, yeah. I mean I didn't and I wasn't particularly focused on Dykes throughout the game. I thought he could have been tick um we did have a little bit of trouble with Dykes and Austin I thought because we didn't have that pace beyond the, the back line at times. So we were quite um we were quite deep in our in our attacks at times. But no, I thought he, he had a good game as kind of the the link up man if you like. Um yeah, yeah he was he was he was impressive. Yeah, I, I think I'm absolutely desperate to see him play up top with Gray again at some point. And I'm not sure how Walton's gonna fit that together. But when they did link up against uh Bristol City, they were fantastic and you know we've we've said it before we don't quite know how we didn't win that game but I do think it's very clear to me that Gray needs someone up top with him he can't just be chasing these long 
long balls and trying to battle for everything by himself. And I think it was probably right to rest him after the um, the game against West Brom because he must have been knackered. But I do think he needs someone up there with him. And if we were to play our best team, I don't, I'd probably say him and Dykes would probably be our best partnership. As much as I love Austin, it's no criticism. I just think that the additional pace that Gray provides um, is really useful for us. Um, just a f- few more things about Birmingham. Luke Amos got a few more minutes. What what did we think of him slowly returning? It's clear that Warburton really does love him because he gets minutes at every opportunity, really. Tidy, really tidy performance, I thought. I just thought he came in. Nothing spectacular, but, you know, you're not expecting somebody that's had spent 12 months out to come in and sort of like set the world alight. But it's very tidy, very comfortable in possession. I think he's definitely going to add another dynamic to our midfield. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see a bit more of him, for sure. I thought maybe it was a little bit, I don't know, it, with a damn love something to say about this because he's said quite a bit about Dezel's sort of positioning. But I, I think that Dezel seems kind of hard done by. He never he didn't play badly. He didn't play really well like he did against Everton. Yet he was taken off again um, so that Amos can get more time. Maybe it was a sort of tactical thing to shore it up. Uh, but Amos can be a versatile player and play a bit more defensively. But I, I just kind of want to see Dezel play a full 90 minutes in the league because he's such a good player and he, I just feel like he's getting his minutes are being sacrificed so that and it's no bad thing per se but I, I want to see Dezel play a lot more I don't know like, Dan what you think about maybe was it sort of like to try and shore it up a bit Um, I, I think so. I don't know it's a hard one because Birmingham's attack weren't exactly threatening although they had that Chong chance in the first half um, I do like him. I do like him technically. I just have doubts. Um, doubts defensively. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I think you look back to last season as kind of an example of how Warburton managed. That's the, the good thing about Warburton is he's. I, I I think he's a better man manager. If that makes it like that's the the main like um, aspect of his managerial um, well great greatness basically. He with Willock and Chair. I think last year, well particularly Willock. He'd kind of play them for three games of like 60, 70 minutes, then take them out for a few, then put them back in. So I think I think you've got to remember Dizel, I think he's 21, just or might have turned 22. Um he's been in a poor switch side for the last few years, and he's he's quite raw to both the championship and quite some aspects of his game. So I think it's just about kind of nurturing him, really. It, it, he might get a run of games with um depending on Johansson's injury. It just really depends on the fixture, to be honest. But, I mean, if you were to kind of, if Warburton was to kind of create this kind of ideal midfielder, he'd probably be what what he would mould towards. Um, Micah, what, what did you think about the formation and the way we lined up? Do you think we sort of, that we dealt with the changes quite well? Because I feel like we're a side that, really likes familiarity. They like that five at the back formation. They know what they're doing with it. Slight change at the start of the game. Uh, and it did go back. They did go to five at the back towards the end. But at the start, I think it was four, two, 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 was it? Yeah, there's there a bit of a 
bit of argument amongst us in the uh, the our generation chat, wasn't there, about what uh, <laughs> about what shape we were playing. Um, it seemed like, and I think we came to the conclusion that it's a very interchangeable like five. Um, yeah, yeah, typical that's five in the back to like a four-two-two, two. yeah, something like that, wouldn't it, Dan? Yeah, um, like I had it. I kind of had it. Sorry, Michael. I kind of had it as like a. It was kind of like a back five with Willock as left wing back, but then it kind of like the left wing back role was the transitional role with like. So if he went infield, then you had um, Chair and Dizel kind of like the left width, width provider and stuff like that. So it kind of it interchanged really, but yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. So I think. Um, Special props. I don't know if um, he's gotten a lot. And I haven't seen Twitter a lot in the past couple of days, but I don't know if Willock's gotten his props, but, you know, he did not look out of place in that left wing-back role. I remember nine months ago, ten months ago, we had Bright playing left wing-back and he just kind of looked like, you know, a square peg in a round hole. Willock there, he just looked brilliant. He's so good, man. Chris Willock is so good. He's such a good player. I don't know how no one else managed to sign him but us. Um, I don't know, but in terms of in terms of the shape, I don't know. At times we looked a little bit overwhelmed, but at the same time, I never really felt like we were going to concede. It was it was a weird. I think it was more kind of like nerves and the confidence had been knocked from the past couple games. Uh, I'm not sure I want to see us play four two 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 again. Um, <laughs> But I, I don't know. That might be something he's working on. That might be a that might be a good way to get Dykes and Austin up front together, or Austin and Gray, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, we got the three points, so yeah. I think we've already mentioned it, but it comes back to that thing as well that so many people were criticising Warburton for. He had come up with a different plan, not necessarily a plan B for in the game, but he tried something different. And it did come off this time. So, you know, that can only be a positive. Right. So, yeah, we've just got one more game before the international break and the and some of our players can put their feet up for a couple of days. We've got Preston at the weekend at home. They've had a pretty poor start to the season. What, what do we think of Preston? Um, yeah, well, they had a bit of a... They appointed uh, Frankie McAvoy, didn't they, uh, before like, the end of last season? And there was a bit of a, a bit of a, not an, an annoyance of that appointment. It was quite an easy appointment. Um, I did. I think I had them down as relegation uh, candidates at the start of the season. They've slowly, they've slowly picked up some points. To be fair to them, um, they're quite a defensive side, um, from my knowledge. I haven't watched them too much this season, but they're quite reliant on. Um, yeah, keep um, keeping clean sheets and um, defending quite well. Um, they play quite a similar formation to us, a three-four-one-two. So that'd be something to bear in mind when we've got when we match up against them. Um, and yeah, they've got they've got some decent players that have been in the championship for a while, really. So we've got to be aware of that. Yeah, Micah, what do you think? Um... Well, after the first game of the season when they were absolutely pumped by Hull and then we went and handled Hull pretty easily, I was pretty worried for them. But I think they're on a pretty decent run at the moment, aren't they? I think they've not lost, is it five or six games or something? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah so I, think, I think they're a bunch of draws, though. It's all draws. Yeah. They haven't won a league game this month, basically. But, I mean, you know, as... Uh, 
quote unquote relegation candidate, you know, the longer you're going about without losing. Mm. Um, but you know, it's a funny one. It's a funny one with Preston because every season Preston seems to be a different animal. You seem to get a different Preston every season. A couple of seasons ago they were playoff candidates, weren't they? Last season, mid-table again. This season it looks like they'll be battling to stay up. Um I'd expect us to win here, especially with um with uh, I think they've got a really bad record away from home, Preston as well. So I would expect us to win here, but you know, over the years Preston's always been a bit of a banana skin for us, as long as I can remember. So I guess we'll yeah. see. I always get a vibe of one all of Preston, regardless of where we play them. They just seem like yeah. a one all team whenever we play them. Um, but you're you're right about pre- them being sort of like up and down. I was just like looking at the table, and they're actually in seventeenth. They've got two wins, five draws, three losses, minus two goal difference, so that equals eleven points. They've so, only scored five goals as well. That's yeah, something, that's something concerning. So, yeah, we we can we can kind of play on that if we defend well. Well, that's the thing. I was looking at um some of the uh, Twitter accounts that Loft for Words uses for his interviews. And there was one, I think, Deepdale Digest. They yeah. did a report on uh, the Stoke game. And I was quickly flicking through that. And they were start... You could see in what they were writing very blatantly that there was some frustration at the lack of wins and the fact that they have no obvious goal scorer. Um, so like Dan said that's something to look out for and there was another there was another podcast as well from the Finney I believe yeah yeah they were talking about they had retweeted a lot of stuff about Dan Iverson goalkeeper apparently he was on he's one of their better players Um, they had him on loan I think for now 18 months he's saved them a lot of points over that over that period and I expect him if they do stay up I expect him to be because of him he's a He's a top keeper, to be fair. Um, but they've got other threats. I mean, Ben Whiteman, who we know we tried to sign last... Was it last, last January when we... Instead of Stefan Johansson? Oh, that was... We were linked with him. a long um, time ago. From Don, when he was at Doncaster Rovers. I mean, he's quite yeah. a... He's quite a complete midfielder, I'd say. Um, I quite like Ryan Ryan Ledson alongside him. Uh, that's quite one of their strengths, the midfield. Um, a good good ball, uh, ball progressor. Um, and then you've got... Daniel Johnson, who's been around for a, a number of years in the championship, but quite a well, probably been one of the best better tens in the in the division over the time. Um known for his like third man runs. So that could be something we need to keep an eye on, especially um how we struggle with uh Decore in the second half against Everton. Um and then obviously the the, the goal threat is Emil Reese. Um I think he's got three goals. He's he's been he's been an okay okay form. Uh, he might have scored a few in the cup as well. So he he'd be the main main striking mm. target to look out for. I think um, is it Bar- Tom Barkusen? Am I saying that right? He's yeah. He's out with COVID. Like he's apparently yeah. He hasn't been play- he hasn't been playing. He's been him and uh, recent Sean Maguire up top. Right. Because I was just looking at a few of their players in the head, and I didn't. I never realised. You know, when did this happen? They've got Josh Murphy on loan from Cardiff. Who... Oh, that was deadline day. They they got Josh Murphy on loan and they got um Ali McCann from St. Johnson. He's, he's supposed to be a good talent as well. 
Right, because he's only played five times, no goals and no assists. And I seem to remember when we were playing quite poorly in the first half of last season, they beat us 2-0, I think. And Scott Sinclair made Wallace look oh, yeah. a bit silly. Um, but Sinclair hasn't started that much for them either. He's only got four appearances to his name so far. Yeah, they don't they don't really he doesn't really Barkhazen and uh Sinclair don't really suit the system. It's a it's a wing back system. So there's Sinclair's best out on the on the left. So they don't really there's not too many positions that you can probably play them. Yeah. Micah, what what are you expecting from us at the weekend? Is it more of the same sort of just not plod along but you know, we've been playing well enough to beat teams like this. We've just got to trust ourselves. Yeah, I would say trust ourselves. I would say not to overthink it. Warburton's rarely guilty of overthinking games like this. Um, just, just got to be honest with you, really, you know, other than the West Brom game, we haven't played badly. We just haven't got the points. So if it's just more of the same, I think we'll, we will be fine. Obviously, we have to watch out for... Um, Jamaica international Daniel Johnson, um, but um, yeah, no more more of the same, please, Rangers, definitely. Didn't Jamaica lose though recently? So I don't really, want to talk about it. Doesn't, doesn't really count. It. Don't really want to talk about it. To be honest with you, Daniel, I think uh, once once we get a new coach, I'll be happy to talk about it. But... <laughs> okay, um, so what what are we going to do team wise? We've had quite a few injuries recently. I think you know the bit. Big two uh, injuries from West Brom was that Johansson and Device went off. Obviously, neither featured against Birmingham, but Device was on the bench, I believe. Johansson wasn't in the squad. And before Birmingham, Warbs did say this regarding Johansson. At the moment, it's about checking personnel. You can't risk them if they're not right. We'll check them this morning and see how they are. He went on to say that it was the schedule that was causing the injuries. So what would you guys do with the team and the formation going into Preston? Are we are we assuming that... Um... Assume that... For, assume that Johansson isn't fit yet, but Device is. I think that's um, probably more likely the way I think yeah. looking at it, Johansson maybe just give give him a couple of give him a week, give him the international break, perhaps. But you never know. Um this might be controversial, but I'd go back, I'd go back with the vice. I know Dunham's probably impressed. I think he'd still look for me, he's still and we saw this a bit in the West Brom game. He's kind of in this ball playing area, he's still a little raw. He's, he can they can do it to He's he's capable, but I think Device has been arguably our best centre centre half this season for me. Any or um, consistently anyway. So I go back to um, with Device. Obviously, I don't see why Odebajo is not starting left wing back for me. I think he quite suit that role because especially on the right hand side, he gets a bit vulnerable. So when he plays a bit narrower, I think positionally he might be a bit better. So I probably go well. Really, we only can go. Odebajo and Kaka unless Adoma starts and then probably Dezel Ball um, and then Chair Willock and Dykes that's what I that's what I imagine I'd go Micah what about you? Um, I don't know nowadays it's really hard picking um, picking a lineup to keep your um 
Johansson's fit, I would start him, but I I trust I trust Dozel. I definitely trust Dozel. Um he's he is one of those players that I feel like is the physical side of it doesn't really suit him. But I would trust him in this game. Um definitely back to a back five. Did I missed that? Sorry, is McCallum McCallum gonna be fit? McCallum is expected to be back for Fulham, which Fulham, is, yeah, Fulham. is that the first, that is the first game back, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, he said it is to potentially, yeah, yeah. I think McCallum will be fine for Fulham, but he, he's not okay for this game. Maybe go and change then. I think maybe Johansson for Dozov, Johansson's fit, but yeah, I probably go and change. I reckon. I think there's regardless of what we put out. I think the sort of the acceptance is that on paper there's enough there to win us the game. Really, if we get it definitely. right, you know definitely, we've got to we've got to be a bit more lethal with with our finishing, and that's you know coming down to the strikers mainly. But Willock and Chair, if they get an opportunity, they've got to snap it up. Dazelle as well, even Don Ball, like you know there, there's going to be plenty of chances hopefully on Saturday, and you know it's going to be a really good performance that's going to put a lot of faith back into the. The QPR faithful again um, just before the international break and we all have to sort of watch some really bad qualifying football for the next week or so. So with that, um, and I, you know, I say that as a Scotland fan, I have to watch a Scotland play Israel again. Uh, it is absolutely ridiculous how many times we have played them. Um, predictions then for Preston, starting with Micah, what do you think? I'm going to say, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to say 3-0 Rangers. Okay. Dan? Um, I'm going to go 2-0. Okay. And I'm going to go with 3-1. So I think we'll all be happy with any of those scorelines. So far, I think we've been pretty poor on the predictions front. Dan? got a scoreline correct. Uh, Lucas also predicted that we would beat Birmingham 2-0. I think me and Dan also got the correct uh, result for Birmingham. But yes, just just Lucas from last week, who's actually been scoring goal, uh, scoring points in that sense. So that's us done for another podcast. Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back next week during the international break to discuss how Preston went and a few other topics, which I'm excited to discuss. Until then, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or on SoundCloud. All three of us can be found on Twitter. And I would encourage you to follow our generation net on Twitter so you can see all the latest content from us. That is everything. Thank you, Dan, Micah, for uh, joining me once again. Uh, that is everything. And the fire alarm has just started going off in my house. So I'm going to go and see what that is about. So thank you. See you. Bye-bye. Come on, you guys.